hello, hello. Uh, welcome to our first episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. Uh, my name is Brian Reynolds. I'm the Vice President of Marketing with uh, ERS, and I'm here with my fellow co-worker, Kristen Davenport, who's our Director of Communications and the producer of this show. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks, Brian. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're so excited about bringing this podcast uh, to our audience. Uh, you know, it's really dedicated to educating our audiences about the issues regarding aging and informing people about the mission of ERS uh, as we kind of talk about the inter everyday interactions going on uh, in our communities and in our programs. So with that being said, I think we've got a great first show uh, lined up. Kristen, can, uh, can you give us a little bit of an idea of what we're going to have on our show today? Absolutely. I'm excited to tell you that uh, with us today will be David Lowry. David is a resident at Marjorie P. Lee Retirement Community in Hyde Park and Pat Donaldson, who's a resident at Dupree House Community, also in Hyde Park. And we're really excited to have both of them with us and check in with them. Today, we'll also check in with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb. She's going to um, just tell us how things have been going this week. And she is going to hopefully share some inspiring stories, um, some, of the, some of the ways uh, that we've really been working through uh, this whole COVID-19 crisis. Well, that sounds great. I think we have a great, great first show lined up. And uh, I guess without further ado, Kristen, you want to introduce uh, what our first segment is going to be? Yes, Brian, thanks. So our first segment is with David Lowry. Let's meet David. With us now is one of our residents from Marjorie P. Lee, David Lowry. David is a retired general presbyter of the Presbytery of Cincinnati. David has been involved during his time at Marjorie P. Lee. He's been a leader amongst our residents. He served on our corporate board and shared his many talents, among them fund development, organizational development, and leadership development. David moved to Marjorie P. Lee in 2005, where he started the recycling program and sings in the resident chorus he serves as the treasurer of the Employee Christmas Fund, and he is now the president of the Resident Council. So welcome, David. Thank you. We're so glad to have you with us this morning. Um, we wanted to just, we're not seeing you every day, and we just wanted to check in. So how are you doing? I'd say I'm doing very well. Um, <clears throat> I'm feeling fine, and uh, of course a nurse comes uh, and checks every day to make sure I'm feeling fine, taking temperature and, and so forth. I think uh, those of us living here are the most protected and cared for people in metropolitan Cincinnati. I worry more about the people out there than, than any of us in here. Um, so I'd say uh, I'm in good spirits. Um, I'm ready to uh, ride this out for however long it takes. Okay, very good. Very good. David, tell me what you've been doing to stay active and engaged uh, while you're social distancing. Well, first, I'm, I'm exercising every day. Uh, I, that we don't need to let go, either by 
following the video on the in-house channel or going down to the fitness room. And recently, uh, been able to even to get out into the courtyard uh, to get some sun. So physically um, staying active. And uh, I'm doing a lot more reading, catching up on books, both uh, light and heavy books that I've been wanting to read. Doing a few more puzzles. I like crosswords and Sudokus and CryptoQuips and, and doing those. And phone calls with the family. I have a retreat group, uh, five of us that meet once a month for 24 hours, and we can't do that. So now we're having a, a standard uh, virtual meeting by a conference call every Thursday afternoon. So I'm staying in touch with my spiritual uh, base. And then, you know, you, you see things on uh, the Internet or people send you things uh, mostly for laughs and uh, keep, um, you know, keeping uh, alive to what's going on in the world as well as uh, keep your spirits up. Those are some of the things I've been doing. I'd say uh, it doesn't feel like uh, uh, vegetating, um, <laughs> and I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> Well, that is good. And it sounds like you're, you know, really tackling all six dimensions of wellness. You're not really leaving anything out. And I'm glad to hear you're not only keeping some of your traditional things going, maybe you're even trying some new things, which sounds great. I know you're yeah. an avid walker. I bet you miss your walks to Hyde Park Square and back. That's one thing that I miss. I am not able to go out and walk because we're not leaving the campus and somehow walking down to the gardens and back doesn't quite do it for me. I was used to walking for an hour, an hour and a half uh, daily. And uh, that's something that I'll just have to um, pick up again when I can, uh, when yes. this is over. Yes. Meanwhile, uh, you know, if that's the worst that's happening to me, that's, that's okay. <laughs> right. That's right. I think they call that a first world problem. Probably so. <laughs> Probably so. I think, of, uh, I think a lot about the folks, uh, especially who are having to get on a bus and go to work uh, because they, they are grocery workers or, or staff workers or some other job that that has to keep going and they're um, they don't have the privilege of uh, just sitting around at home and uh, those are the people I'm most concerned about that I completely agree with it is difficult for I know many of our staff members to keep things going while they're you know got their children maybe at home because they're not attending school they're doing their best to keep all of you healthy and um, keep themselves healthy as caregivers, not only for our residents, but also for their families. So it is a challenging time. I was so glad when ERS established the emergency response fund uh, for exactly those things for our staff. And it was a, a privilege to contribute to that and hope that it may help. It, it, that the response has been very heartening um, and and very welcome. We we appreciate everybody taking care of 
of the most vulnerable residents, the staff that might need assistance in this emergency, and some of our Meals on Wheels clients who, who also need some extra care right now can't get out to get uh, things like pet food and, and other things that they might need. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that you've been able to support that. So tell us a little bit maybe, what are you pulling from or drawing from your own experiences or maybe crises that you've lived through in the past that maybe have helped you um, maybe shape how you're handling this current crisis? Well, you know, I think, I think it helps to be 90 years old. Um, as uh, <laughs> young people say, you know, this is not my first rodeo. I love it. Okay. Um, uh, when you're born uh, in the 30s during the uh, Great Depression and you uh, are a teenager during the Second World War watching, uh, and I did watch uh, uh, the, the news very carefully during the war, uh, just the way we're now watching the whole world uh, during this war. Um, and then uh, I was in the front lines of the civil civil rights movement in the '60s, and so you know, you you gradually uh, develop a perspective uh, over time. I think, which is harder for young people. I mean, for those for whom this is maybe their first major crisis, I can I can see how this would be very very disorienting and upsetting. I think we who have been through it all, uh, or many things like it are uh, at an advantage uh, with equilibrium and perspective. You know, you learn uh, over time, uh, life is not all about me. I am all about life. And life is always unpredictable, uh, often unfair, but it doesn't last forever. That's the kind of perspective that one gathers over, uh, over a longer life. and. Uh, if we learn anything uh, during this one, it's that we are dependent upon one another. We need to learn things about uh, community and solidarity uh, with other people. And uh, after all, I'm just one little spark uh, in uh, God's universe. Mm -hmm. I think that helps. Well, that's some inspirational thoughts there. Um, I appreciate you sharing those. That's that is uh, good, good food for all of us to think about and uh, reflect on as we are all trying to make our way through these experiences. That's a lot, a lot of good wisdom for us, I think. Thank you. And thanks for the chance to talk to you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for joining us today. And we're going to wrap up this segment and we're going to hear from our CEO, Laura Lamb. Wow. So what a great interview with David, Kristen. Uh, yeah, it it's great like, to hear from him. Yeah, it sounds like he's staying very positive and, uh, and, and active. And uh, so, so, so great to hear his voice. He's not slowed down one bit. Not, not at all. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the next segment. Uh, as I also mentioned, I had the great opportunity to, to talk with Laura Lamb. So um, Let's get to, uh, to our discussion on what's going on around ERS with Laura. 
All right, so I'm here president and CEO, Laura Lamb. Uh, Laura's here to keep us updated on all things ERS, and she's been our fearless leader through this, uh, this challenging time. Um, so welcome, Laura. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. So I've got, uh, just kind of want to update, uh, you know, our audience out there on, on what the, uh, ERS has been up to and, um, how, but most importantly, how have you been doing during this crisis? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, you know, it's, it, what do they say? It's interesting times, right? Um, I'm working at home and trying to find my new normal, but, um, my family's doing well and, you know, have a, have a lot of energy for the work we're doing. So thanks for asking. Sure. And, and what kind of things do you do to stay positive and kind of fulfilled during this time where we're all locked up in our houses? Well, I've been trying to really focus on self-care uh, to keep myself going. So I know this about myself that I do my best when I have a good night's sleep. So I've been really practicing all the good uh, sleep techniques to make sure that I get a good night's sleep. And uh, my husband and I have been walking our dog a couple times a day just to kind of get moving. And I have a stand-up desk in my home office just to kind of change change it up. But honestly, what keeps me motivated and pumped up is I have a, a, several staff and, and, and residents that I have created pen pal relationships with. So I really enjoy writing cards to them and then receiving cards. So anybody out there that wants to become my pen pal, I'd love that. That's great. That's great. What a great way to spend your time. So in, in terms of ERS's response, you know, what are the things that uh, the organization has, has done to respond to the pandemic? Well, I think ERS is approaching this pandemic like we approach most things, and that is in a thoughtful, kind of planful uh, way. Uh, I, I say to people, you know, it's just in our DNA to have a plan. So obviously we didn't have a, a COVID-19 pandemic plan, but we did have an emergency plan for um, an outbreak of an infectious um, nature. So you know, we, we had that in place and we've been using that along with the CDC guidelines to make sure that we're doing everything that we can in a proactive fashion to make sure that our residents and our staff um, are as safe as we, we, can, we can make our, our working and living environments. Specifically, some of the things that we've done um, that we've put into place early on First thing is, is that we really started restricting visitors because we understand through the work of the CDC and the Ohio Department of Health that the way this is transmitted is through exposures. So by reducing the number of people in our communities, we can greatly reduce the, the exposures for our staff and residents. So well before um, that was required, uh, we had very strict guidelines in place out of love and concern for, for our residents. The, another thing that we did very early on was understand that we could really find out if staff were maybe uh, on the cusp of getting ill by checking their temperature. So, you know, I think it was the second week in March, we started checking all of our temperatures of all staff at all locations. And then that quickly led into, if we're checking our staff temp temperatures, we need to, to ask our independent living 
uh, residents to check self-check their temperatures, and then in our assisted and skilled areas to check the, the residents' temperatures uh, multiple times a day. So I feel like that's been really helpful. And just as we anticipated on the staff checks, we turned staff away from work because they did have, you know, a borderline fever and, you know, it hasn't turned out to, that they had COVID-19, but, you know, for infection control purposes, we don't want them working if they're sick. You know, those are the, those are the two, I think, the, the, the biggest things that we've done. We have also taken, made a difficult decision to restrict our staff working outside of our communities. You know, there are a number of staff in healthcare that work in multiple locations. And, you know, normally that is not frowned upon, but when you're talking about a, a disease that's, or a virus that's transmitted the way it is, uh, going to multiple businesses or healthcare organizations is a real risk factor. So we, about three and a half weeks ago, asked our staff to decide you know, or to commit to us that they would only work at our locations if they would continue with us. And, you know, we were nervous about that, but I have to say the staff have really responded to that because it shows them that we truly care about their safety and our resident safety. Well, that's, uh, that's really important. I think, you know, as we've talked about in the past, it's really is about mitigating the risk and considering all those different factors. So, you know, on the other end, you know, during crisis, particularly with this organization I've been so impressed with, there's been a lot of great stories that have kind of come out of, you know, dealing with these challenges. Would you be willing to share a few of those that you've, you've uh, observed over the past two, three weeks? You know, Brian, I'm so glad you're asking me that because I feel like in this crisis, the true character of our staff is just shining. I mean, talk about two words that always come to mind is creativity and innovation. I mean, don't tell an ERS team member that they can't provide activities for their residents because they're going to find, you know, whatever we throw out, social distancing, you know, no visitors, no outside people. They're just taking it and taking lemons and making lemonade. And I just love that about our, our staff. So some of the things that I'm really excited about is, um, one is our partnership with um, Cisco, Cincinnati, and Louisville. They had a problem, i.e. they had perishable food that they needed to get rid of. And we have a problem, i.e. we don't want our staff members going to grocery stores and, and being exposed to um, germs everywhere. So we partnered we've created, we're up to um, five. We've had five pop-up pantries to date where we have given more than $8,000 worth of food to our residents um, in affordable living and our staff through these pop-up pantries. So that is just beautiful. And a, just a shout out to Cisco for their partnership. So our staff have been, like I mentioned that creativity. So a couple examples there would be you know, um, it's hard to stay in your apartment all day long and, you know, no one's locked in their room. They walk around, they observe social distancing. We have beautiful campuses, so they get outside and get some fresh air, but boredom sets in. So some of our, our staff have been so helpful in getting residents connected to their loved ones via FaceTime and Zoom. And um, another thing that we've done is, um, 
Our campuses have created like activity kits, whether that's a quote unquote boredom bag or crossword puzzles or other little things that they can do. We've set up residents to go on virtual tours of museums across the country and across the world. So it's been fun to see the creativity when you tell a team that cares about their elders that they can't do something, they figure out how they can do something differently. Well, that's some great, uh, some great items, um, some great things that are happening across our organization. And we're looking forward to hearing more of those in the coming, coming weeks. But, you know, with, with all of these challenges, and I can hear that pride in your voice about our, our, our staff and, and the residents, is there anything you'd like to kind of say directly to them? Yeah, I would like to take the opportunity to just say to our residents and staff that I could not be more pleased with everyone's response to this, this crisis. You know, clearly this is not where any of us want to be, right? If we had a magic card to turn back time and change the future, I'm sure all of us would have imagined a different 2020. But we're here together. Uh, we are we're banding together and and candidly I know we are going to get through this together we are going to remain strong because we're doing what we need to do and in essence that is that we're looking out for one another first and putting our our needs second and that is is what we need to do and we're going to stick together and soon we'll be reunite, reunited in a different way. Um, but I, I would just encourage everyone to continue doing what we've been doing. It has gotten us this far and it will see us through the rest of this journey. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate you joining us this afternoon for providing an update and all these great things going around the organization. And we'll look forward to catching up next week. Thanks, Brian. Brian, as always, Laura had some great stories for us. It was really inspiring to hear her talk about what's happening around ERS. Yeah, you know, she's, she's always got great stories, and uh, it was really good to catch up with her and, uh, and hear how she's doing and, and everything around, uh, around the ERS universe. So. So with that being said, uh, I also had a great opportunity to sit down with uh, a resident at Dupree House, Pat uh, Donaldson, and catch up to see how she's doing during this, uh, this time and, and how she's staying uh, active and positive. So. Yeah, I can't wait to catch up with Pat. So here's, uh, here's the interview with Pat. Pat Donaldson. Pat's been a resident uh, at Dupree House for the past 11 years. She uh, moved in around 2009. And Pat's originally from Outville, Ohio. She was a teacher for over 24 years and has three uh, children and six uh, beautiful grandchildren. Um, she's been very active in her time uh, while she's been here at Dupree House. She's one of our resident artists who's created wonderful works of arts that's been sold during our Fall Bazaar, which is a fundraiser for uh, uh, Dupree House. And, and because of her keen eye she, and great sense of aesthetics, we've, uh, she's also helped in some of our interior design projects as we've updated many of our, our common areas at Dupree House and Marjorie Key Lee. Um, and she's also been a great contributor at, uh, for our fund development group and our galas uh, in her time with us. So we're 
we're so grateful to have you here, Pat. Um, you've been so helpful to so many of us uh, on the ERS staff, and we, uh, we want to welcome you here to our first podcast. Well, thank you. It's a, it's an honor, and I'm very pleased with uh, what you're what you're beginning to do here with the thank podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So you know, we're here uh, in this time of COVID-19, and it certainly turned all our lives kind of upside down. Uh, you know, first and foremost, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm doing very well, Brian, really. Everybody has their moments, of course. But I uh, swim every day and usually go for a walk. And sometimes I take Gigi, our service dog, you know, over at the cottages. I'll take her around the campus. And uh, just enough to be active and and just not sit all the time. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Is there any other things that you've been doing to kind of stay engaged, uh, stay stay in touch with family or friends? Yes, I noticed that um, there's a lot more texting uh, between fam between my family and and me right now. And I my great grandsons uh, who are in Columbus uh, have a game that we play every day. I send them a riddle, and they try to find the answer. Uh, it's just a keep in touch kind of thing. That's great. That's great. And what about with your fellow residents? Have you stayed in touch with them at all via text or phone calls or? Well, we phone, we phone call and then we uh, send things on the uh, internet to each other to little joke things for a little sense of humor. Um, and we see each other some, some in passing in the halls and such. So, you know, in, in, you know, drawing from kind of the past situations, you know, during a crisis or some life experiences, you know, what, what have you drawn on to, to kind of cope during this, this current crisis? Well, Brian, let's make a play on words here. I draw. That's right. Period. And um, that does help. It's an outlet. But um, I think humor and activity, just physical activity, is an, uh, are two good outlets, two ways that you can make a bad situation or an uncomfortable situation into something more tolerable. And I find physical activity is uh, changes your point of view. I don't know whether it's that fresh air that cleans out your mind a little bit, but um, it's it's welcome. That's great. And, and what, are, what are you looking forward to when this is all over? Or what, what, what do you look forward to most? Oh, taking a nice big long walk down Redbird Hollow and seeing my family again, being able to sit around and talk. My wow. birthday is uh, in July, and I'm so in hopes that this is all ended by that time so that we can all get together and well, enjoy it. We, we hope so too, Pat, and we hope we can celebrate in person with you and, and see you soon. We miss, we miss seeing your smiling face, and uh, we want to thank you so much for, for joining us today. You're very welcome, Brian. Well, as I expected, Pat is staying creative as always, even in these times, and it sounds like she's even going above and beyond her normal level of artistry and, and she's thinking of new ways to, to just try to share her, her love of art and her passion for um, everything that's around 
her. She just is always creating something. So it was good to hear from her and, and hear how she's coping too. Yeah, it certainly was. I enjoyed catching up with her uh, as well. So, so thank you, Pat. And uh, we'd also like to thank uh, David Lowry and of course, Laura for joining our, our first podcast here. Kristen, this has been a lot of fun and, and I'm looking forward to doing many more of these. That's right. I can't wait. We'd like to thank everyone for joining our, our uh, first episode of, uh, of the Linkage uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll be back next week uh, interviewing a couple more residents uh, throughout our communities and, and also checking in with Laura. Particularly want to make sure that we're touching base with, with people during this, this challenging time. The Linkage podcast has been produced by uh, Kristen Davenport and uh, also in, in uh, collaboration with myself, Brian Reynolds. If you want to check out more information, you can uh, go to our website, EpiscopalRetirement.com. Uh, we've got blogs. We've got great resources up there. We'll be posting our podcasts there as well. And then if you want to follow us on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, we're on all of those social media networks, and you can see some of the great pictures and great activities going on and some of the great resources that we post there as well. So we're uh, looking forward to, to, to reaching out to you all next week. And thank you so much again for joining us. Thanks listeners. See you next time.